Spiritual Potato, take one. Hello friends, you're listening to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast with Liam and... This is where you say your name. Oh, Chris. And Oh, Chris. So, <laughs> Oh, Chris. You haven't been called Oh, Chris for a long time, have you? No. When, when's the last time you had Oh Chris chanted at you with a load of monks in front of you bowing? <laughs> oh, Chris. Well, my name wasn't Chris that time. No, I suppose not. Um, Today's episode is a spiritual potato or a psychic potato? Spiritual potato. Spiritual potato. But it may as well be psychic potato, because we're talking about psychic numbness. How do you develop psychic ability? Why are all these people going on about us seeing spirits at the bottom of the bed at night time? Are they just attention seeking? Have they got a gift? Have they got a curse? What is up with this psychic stuff, Chris? (laughs) Wow. Wow. What's up with this psychic stuff, Chris? Okay. Yeah. Um. So this this name was chosen by one of our patrons, and um, to describe something she felt reflected herself. Um, in the fact that she was always comparing herself to all these amazing stories, all her friends had about you know the. Uh, like you say, seeing spookies at the end of the bed or amazing experiences with deja vu um, you know, being really good at reading the tarot cards Um, and she says that often she struggles with picking up any energy at all I think there's kind of two two avenues we can talk about this obviously not both of them apply to her but the The first avenue is obviously talking about what is the... Orgasms. (laughs) No. Different O. No? Um, Oh. um, Is a different kind of... You've just completely thrown me now. What was I about to say? I know I have. (laughs) The screaming O. Isn't that not how it is? Because from my... um, From what I've looked upon in my work... And coming ac- coming across <laughs> coming across multiple psychics. <laughs> um, going to let me put this in a different way. Going to psychic fairs and that speaking to psychics, um, meeting psychics, and they all talk about all the energy and all of this and that. Some of them they make it sound like all of this energy is almost like a, an orgasm. It's just. It's just so overpowering. It makes you shudder and roll on your side and go to sleep immediately after feeling the energy. You know, I, I'm I'm thinking that that is how it can often come across to people. And if they don't get that experience, then they feel like they're not a psychic. But at the same time, I think there are other people that actually, and this is not that many people there are other people that maybe always say that actually it's always numb that it's always kind of like well in other words they never get their orgasms chris some of them don't get the orgasms sometimes it's just a slight change in the air they feel like a very low level clairsentience what what's your experiences um with the psychics you've come across (laughs) wow Apologies, everyone. Liam's on one of those today. I think he's warming up for the Fausty uh, show later today. Um, right. Yes. Amongst all that, you made a really good point. It was a small one, but I'll, I'll, I'll stretch it so it actually makes sense. Um, is this idea of kind of, you know, you everyone's got a couple of stories. And I think that's what it comes out of is that it feels like these day these days like everybody's got a story about some kind of psychic event that happened whether that's you know knowing mom was going to call before you picked up the phone 
um, and I don't mean caller ID before you jump in, um, or, you know, those kind of knowing where something is that you shouldn't know, all those kind of little stories that everybody's kind of got, um, alongside with, like I said, uh, ghost is at the end of the bed, all that kind of stuff. Um, and when you're a practitioner that doesn't have those stories, they feel like something is lacking. What that actually means is that they've probably had lots of experiences rather than the couple couple that stood out to those people. They happen more often, but they're less significant um, and therefore have not really registered on their, their radar as something they should have remembered. Um, you know, I know a lot of psychics... Um, and I don't mean the ones that you go and find at fairs, but the kind of practitioner psychics. Um, that Clinical psychics. <laughs> <laughs> because they're clinically insane or because they... Have clinic hours. Well, they are clinically insane, but they also run more like professionally, don't they? Yeah, so you've got those sorts of people that are, are a little bit more aware all of the time and actually don't realise that that's not normal um, and therefore take for granted that that level of access that they're used to having um, is not what everybody else has got. So what most people are waiting for is these kind of like big uh, kind of miracle stories, uh, these kind of big stories that make, uh, make you kind of go, oh, OK, well, that was definitely psychic ability. Um, whereas I think most of us experience it on a more regular basis, on a more everyday basis, um, and just don't realise that that's what we're talking about. So the example I'd probably get best give is dream work. Um, so I don't know about you, but I find most people that I come in contact with don't remember their dreams a lot of the time, um, or struggle holding on to them. Now, it's pretty difficult to to know you're having, um, a, you know, a prophecy if you can't remember the prophecy when you wake up. Um, and obviously, the sorts of training that we give to people is, is to try and make, make sure that they can hold on to things for a little bit longer. And I don't mean kind of dream retention, but I mean more more direction. So you go in and come out with the goal of actually reaching that information. Um, and then also there's the kind of more day-to-day, -day, everyday stuff, the kind of gut instinct um, explanations that you can't find for the everyday occurrences where you just unbelievably lucky. Those sorts of things where people just go, oh no, I, I'm just a lucky person. And you're kind of like, well, no, I think you knew what was going to happen. And therefore you took the other street, love. Like, you know, it's that kind of lower level stuff that actually once pointed out to somebody kind of goes, oh, shit, maybe I do do this all the time. I'm just I'm just so used to it that it actually doesn't doesn't register as anything special, because what people are wanting for is the Harry Potter moments, aren't they? They're wanting the miraculous ghosty coming to um, tell them about grandma or, you know, um, a really immersive experience, which don't get me wrong. A lot of us do get, but they're not the daily occurrences. But these kind of psychics that you meet on the circuit behave like they are. And I don't know if that's always entirely the truth of what actually happened and is more a case of a, a retelling of a retelling that's kind of become a ghost story. Um, I rambled a lot there, Liam, so pull out some golden nuggets. Right, so there's a couple of things that we've got to be aware of. So for one, there's the idea that these rambling crazes that see, sense and feel all of these spirits around and the like aren't actually crazy. Well, they probably are crazy, but they do actually see, sense and feel all of these things about. 
The other idea is that there are obviously people that don't. And the people that, that don't are often told that they can never develop the ability, which of course we know is not true. Um, but someone that does and has been born with those abilities to see, sense, feel, touch, all of that sort of thing, very often they're the people, the spiritual potatoes go to, to learn how to sense all these things. And do you go to a paraplegic who was born a paraplegic to learn how to walk? Oh, sorry, was that a question? Yeah. So if you've <laughs> never had to try and work for it, what makes you think that you're going to be a good teacher for it? Because you're trying to teach something to someone that's only ever come naturally to you. Exactly. And if you are one of those people that have developed the ability yourself over time from practicing lots of different techniques and ways and all that sort of thing, then what makes you think that if you've reached your limit as to how far you can go also? And then obviously talking about the crazes, how many people have you met that you think are deceitful liars that are trying to exploit people for a quick buck by telling them that I think there's someone with John do you know a John is there a John there's a John in your family there is a John and that John's passed away but I want you to know he's still with you there's those kind of people as well so obviously when it comes to paranormal investigation um psychical research and that testing psychics is a useless is pointless okay if you want to prove to yourself or investigate psychic ability there's only one real really decent way of doing that and that's to become psychic yourself because if someone else does it you're always going to be wondering whether it's a trick and there are many cleverer people like Darren, is it Darren Brown? Yeah, Darren Brown out there that yeah. can do all sorts of psychological tricks and crazy ass stuff that will make you feel or think that something cool and supernatural is going on and technically it's not. But if you're doing it yourself and you can control that ability yourself and you develop control, then at that point you'll realise that, okay, it is actually a thing. And at that point, obviously, you won't be in a situation whereby you need to think, I wonder if I can go away and learn that because you will have already developed the ability. You'll be the one that does the psychic experiment. You'll be the one that does all the psychic work and you'll be the one discovering it for the first time. So in my view, a lot of what we would say, a lot of beginners that fall in the kind of spiritual potato and sometimes psychic potato, because they're slightly different. The spiritual potato people are the reductionist scientist types that say, well, there is nothing. I know there is nothing. And that's it, end of. Because that's, you know, spiritual potato is that, no, you can't convince me. I read in the science textbook at school that everything can be explained. Um... And whenever someone's come along that's told me different, it's been a religious nut that I disagree with. Whereas the psychic numbness, the psychic potato, is someone that, okay, I kind of get the gist that there might be other things. I'm looking, actively looking to search for that, but I just can't see, sense and feel stuff. You know, weird stuff happens, yes, but I'm not able to read it. It's only when I see something physically happen that I can kind of get confirmation of things. And if you're trying to learn magic, particularly in witchcraft, then you need to develop those psychic eyes and you need to develop something else, which is the psychic hands. You need to be able to manipulate the energy that you're seeing and sensing, because that's essentially how spells work. And if you can't manipulate energy, your spells aren't gonna work. And if you can't see energy, 
then how do you know where that energy is going and what it's doing? You know, it's all multifaceted, I think. No, definitely. I just, I think, again, it comes down to this expectation um, and people hold themselves up to uh, what is essentially an imaginary standard. Um, it's kind of reinforced by, you know, <laughs> these kind of, you know, sideshow kind of level performers. Um, and then alongside that is what they have their imagination that pushes them to, which is it reinforced by popular culture. So, you know, Harry Potter and, and um, all the other kind of stuff um, that kind of reinforces this idea that magic is miraculous. And don't get me wrong, it is. Uh, what, you know, witches are capable of doing is, is miraculous. It's, you know, forcing change um, in a world that feels often um, unchangeable. So, you know, it's, it is ta tangible in that sense. What they don't, you know, what they don't have, and which is what they're wanting, is the kind of, um, you know, um, Hollywood special effects. And again, that that's what kind of comes down again with, with the psychic stuff is they feel like things should be somewhat more um, showy than it actually is in reality. Um, and I think that puts a lot of people that, have the potential to be really great off um from a method like this because they just convince themselves then that they're not um they're not they're either not psychic or not spiritual in any kind of way um and then they kind of start shutting themselves off now the the kind of impact that i kind of want to bring up with that is how that that knock-on effect that that has in their spell crafting because I find a lot of these these spiritual potato types are the ones that don't trust, like like you say, the kind of scientific kind of minded folk um, who don't trust that what they actually do on a regular basis, um, they struggle to believe that that is magic um, and that what actually they're doing is, was going to happen anyway. Um, well, and that they've conditioned themselves. The luck spell yeah, they cast just luck. is just luck. <laughs> yeah. And there was they had no part in it whatsoever. Um and the problem with the problem often with that is because they've started to shut themselves off. Which means when they do have these miraculous bits of work happening, they're not seeing them because they've kind of put their blinkers on. Um, and they've narrowed their view um, to only see either that that is concrete proof or or that is that is has no possible other explanation. Um, and if you're only looking at those two things, that is a really narrow view uh, and a high bar of expectation for you to meet. And no wonder you're feeling like a spiritual potato. So running with the Harry Potter thing that you've talked about and, and working pop culture into this so people can kind of understand. We'll, we'll use Harry Potter as a basis and then under, and then explain why it's wrong. So within the Harry Potter, much like all of these TV movies and films, you've got this magical blood, isn't it? You've got you're either a witch or you're not. So in Harry Potter, you've got you're a witch wizard, so a magical person because you've got specialist magical parents and some sort of magic blood or something. Or you're a muggle, and if you're a muggle, you can't do any magic, and you can't even see the magical world. If you're a witch wizard, you've got that blood, oh, well done, you're a magical practitioner, you can see, sense, and do all sorts of things. You might not be very good at magic, but you are technically magical. Then you have the idea of, like, this squib, isn't it? It's like the person that isn't really yeah. that magical, but they can kind of get a taster of it. So within this system, if you're thinking about it, relating it to the real world... You have the magical practitioners that very often can do it all without putting any effort into it from day one, from birth. Then you've got your kind of 
squib equivalence, which is why I can kind of see a little bit. I'm a little bit intuitive. I'm a little bit of this, a little bit of that. If I focus, I can kind of do something, but not very big. I can't do a lot of stuff. That would be kind of be like your squibs. And then you've got your muggle types, which is, I don't believe in anything. I can't see anything. I've never seen anything. I go about being a spiritual and psychic potato. Um, and that doesn't work in the actual real world because in the real world it's not about magical blood or anything. Yes, there are certain energetic profiles with inherently within people that do mean that they're stronger with certain psychic gifts and abilities and the like. But all of these things can be nurtured and all of these things can be done. You can take a psychic and spiritual potato and turn them into that witch or wizard. You can't do that in the Harry Potter films, can you? That's the difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. The problem is, is that if you are the psychic spiritual potato type in the real world, where do you start? What do you do? And can you find someone that's able to teach you? Or do you just tinker around doing the best you can? And potentially, if you don't get very far, eventually give up. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. I think I think that's the danger of it, um, because actually, to go one step further, I will make the statement that obviously psychic ability is available to everybody. It is, you know, it is um, on a molecular level available to all humans. Um, regardless of, um, you know, race or creed. Um, so, you know, if you're not able to get there, you're either not trying hard enough or you weren't born with particular um, pre-settings already open to you. The, the, the idea that somebody can't have, um, you know, the fact is there is no such thing as a squib or a muggle, really, um, when it comes to psychic ability. Um there are those that will have to work a lot harder for it um, because th that, that connection is not there. Um, their brain chemistry is a little bit different. Um, there are others that go on the opposite end of the spectrum where it is all unlocked and is impossible to lock back down, um, which is obviously the ones that end up, um, you know, electric shock therapy and the rest. Going cuckoo. Is because there is because there is just no no they're so oversensitized by it all that actually they can't it can't actually process in in a normal way um everything that they are seeing hearing and, and experiencing all the time um so yeah i just kind of wanted to slip that in there that kind of says you know anyone that says that you have to be born um with psychic ability or or the gift um and I, I will kind of go off that on on that tangent very briefly um you know the idea that it, this is a gift um is one i often struggle it's with not a gift. the main reason it isn't though is it <laughs> you know if you is there, is, there, is, <laughs> no. is is your ability to breathe a gift no it's just an inherent thing that's part of your physiology yeah the difference is is whether or not you've conditioned yourself out or your family or people around you have managed to condition some of it out um or society has has managed to you know squeeze this out of you um to put it back in its box um you know it's a tr it's a tricky one but at the end of the day the very simple fact is it is available to all um it just comes easier to some than it does others um so yes like with people that were, you know, naturally born with the skills to run fast, um, it still means they've got to put work in to keep up that standard. But there will be some natural ability, um, and I, I don't think we'll um, dwell on on the kind of naturals versus we've done that in, in many a other before now. So I don't think we should dwell on that all too much. Well, we should start but, with the potatoes um, then. Let's just talk about the potatoes. Let's talk about potatoes. So last week was all about the natural super witches. This week, maybe we'll talk or just do one for the potatoes. So, with the magical, spiritual and psychic potato people, 
this is all for you. So what I think the the million pound question is, is if I'm a psychic spiritual potato, where do I bloody start? And it's very simple. You need to start at the very beginning. That's it for this edition of the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We'll give them a little something before it goes over to Patreon, right? Wait, wait. <laughs> so, um, obviously, in order to know where to start, we need to currently know where you are. Because even if you're a potato, some potatoes are more potatoey than other potatoes. So, <laughs> how much of a potato are you? Now, there's this little thing that we've kind of almost invented, or at least we pretend we invented, called scratch testing, Chris. So what's the basic concept yes. of that? Uh, so the it's a sense, uh, for lack of a better phrase, it's an aptitude test. So it is, it is kind of testing you on, on what, what energies you are capable of feeling. So the reason we call it a scratch test is kind of like the, you know, the medical process of checking if you've got nut allergies. Um, it's kind of that kind of scratch test where we you are exposed to different kinds of energy and expected to be able to tell us in what way you can do um, how much you can know about it. So, you know, that can that can vary that can vary from one to, you know, one client to another um, in the process in which we give. Um, you know, when you're face to face, it's a lot easier to hand a series of um, enchanted objects or um, objects that hold certain particular energies uh, and go, you know, hold this. <laughs> tell me what you see. Um, tell me what you feel, what you what you can taste, etc. Um, and obviously their levels of being able to do that um, it gives us a good benchmark to kind of figure out exactly where they're operating at. Um, I must say, I can't think of a time, I don't know about you, Liam, I can't think of a time that I've scratch test anybody where they've completely failed. There is always some level of sensitivity there, yeah. even in the minute scale, um, where actually they're far more intuitive than they even realise themselves is normally what occurs first and foremost um, because they come out with answers that they couldn't possibly know um, and when you give an when you give a a backstory back to somebody that has just explored an object they know nothing about um, and you know obviously it's it's us so the objects are not going to have any kind of hint at what they should be um, so you know it's not like we're going to hand hand someone a deck of cards um and say it's you know from a a lucky deck from um some millionaire that won at crabs like do you know what i mean like we're not we're not I wouldn't going to be as myself on the nose. a winner if i got crabs chris oh god I'm, I'm gonna say it in front of you all liam needs to go and get laid because the level of the the level of or the lack of any level of restraint over the last couple of weeks is really starting to get to me. But if I did that, I might get so cramps. Any... God. Just shaving off all of the hair, would that stop you getting crabs, Chris? Because I feel like no. that's a teenage question. You know, if you ever did PSAT at school, like sex education at school, that was always the sorts of questions that you would ask the teacher. <laughs> anyway, we've got a minute left, so <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to say goodbye for this edition of the No Holes Bar Witchcraft podcast. We're going to go into extra time, though, and we're going to talk a little bit about the first kind of things that the super potato-y potato people are able to sense. And we're going to kind of take you on a little journey as to our methods for actually going through the process with someone but we're going to assume that our imaginary person who we're going to call Mr Potato Head um, is the really 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 psychically numb potato that really can't see sense or feel anything so if you want to listen to this process then you're going to have to get on the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon 
in order to listen. So go there now. Right, I think they're there because I think they can hear me. So they must be there, right, Chris? So can you give us an example of a scratch test in, like, process or one that you've actually done with someone? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, So the the last one, the most recent one I've done in person. So bear in mind, these are COVID times. Um, so those have been to a limit for for quite some time. Um, but so in the last year, they're probably the last real face to face in person one um, included a series of items that belong to myself um, or have belonged to family members of mine um, that were handed handed over. And obviously they're, you know, quite banal looking objects for starters things like you know uh, feathers and rocks and a few shells those sorts of things um that have have an energy to them some more subtle than others um i've also tend to throw in a couple of kind of used items you know kind of like the ones that are kind of leftover remnants from spells for example i find make really great scratch test uh, items to use so you know um uh, this when you've disposed of everything um i don't often just dis- unless there's a real reason don't tend to dispose of the kind of crystalline s um elements of them so they're kind of stony parts um whether or not they be kind of river rocks or whatever because to me they're, they're a canvas that can kind of be you know washed clean um, and reprogrammed for use later um, so I tend to hold on to those um, you know they don't I don't worry too much about the recycling aspect um, I'm very eco when it comes to my magical objects um, and those sorts of ones make really good scratch tests best part is if even after cleansing can they tell me what that's what that ingredient was used for um obviously to them they don't even know it's a a a spell ingredient so with these it's just you know um i'm trying to think of a really good example there are a lot of these kind of um in these kind what do you call them kind of hero's journey cartoons and movies and animes and things where you know there'll be a chosen one yeah. who's often a hand handed out a a kind of board full of of objects that belong to previous chosen ones um and they have to you know amongst normal toys so you know well, obviously there's always like a couple of red herrings in there yes one of these is not like the other so you know it's that kind of approach if you're struggling to imagine what this is it's a, a table full of objects some mundane some magical some really magical a few a few remnants from old spells etc um some i quite quite like to throw something that's magically inert in if possible Um, biologicals but those (laughs) i don't throw biologicals in mine personally um so i I might throw a bit of old bone or whatever in um where there's kind of a, a an animal aspect or or a you know human element to a certain extent but i'm not about to throw in something um you know really gross um what i like to select is things that they wouldn't expect so something that looks as as plain and mundane as possible uh, because you know those are the sorts of things i'd really like to fuck up um so there's always a group of things there that are going to be the creepiest um but yeah the idea is that they then work their way through no hints are given um it's it is a it is a blind test so that involves them telling me everything they possibly can tell about all those items that are there um and then as we talk through the process afterwards you kind of can understand where they're being graded and you explain with that with that kind of potential student or new student 
um, how that then moves on from there. Because at the end of the day, that's mostly what we do is these are going to be people that are more than likely going to take up some kind of mentorship program with us uh, or some kind of training program. Um, but yeah. So is it basically Any psychometric questions? readings you get them to do? So psychometry, the magical reading of objects? Yeah, so in, in its in its core sense, yes. Okay, so say you've got someone that's picked random things out. I have normally in mine, I normally take a little tin or a little box or something, have a couple of little different bits and pieces much like you, but I often get them to see if they can group things as well. Um, so I'll have some incense in it, I might have some you know magically charged objects and that and the last time i had someone that that they said that they're not sure if all this magic thing is right they've been doing a little bit of tarot lessons with me and stuff like that and and they were struggling and i said look we'll do this scratch test and i want you to pull out something that you like i want you to pull out something that you feel something around anything from this object so they did that and they pulled out something they pulled out a little jar with a herb mix in it. I said, look at all of the other objects and now pull out anything, and it can be as many as you want, anything that goes with this energy, this thing, whatever you can feel, whatever you like about this, pull out anything else that's similar or you think will match it. So what did they do? They pulled out first, it was a Saturnian or Saturnine incense blend the second thing they pulled out was graveyard dirt <laughs> the third thing they pulled out was a rusty old-fashioned victorian key and then the next thing they pulled out was a tiny little bit of the you know the um Samhain incense that we made that for the dumb supper that year yeah. i had a little bit left of that which i put in a jar and then the last thing they pulled out was that all of those things are saturnine the other stuff there was in there was there was rings there was um other bits and pieces coins other incense blends planetary blends all of that but every single thing that stereotypically in a scott cunningham book or whatever you would say this is saturn they picked out where were we at the time of doing this scratch testing? We were sat in a graveyard. <laughs> yeah. So all of the energy that they were pulling in and naturally marinating in, they were used to that. They were pulling on that. They were comfortable with that. And they attracted things towards them or picked up things that were essentially the same as that energy. And then they turned around and they said they don't understand. Mm -hmm. They don't understand. I don't understand what I sensed. I just knew that this was the object. And that's the problem because they feel like they're supposed to, like when you put something spicy in your mouth and you bite something, there's a real reaction. But actually, something like this, it, eventually, when they start to build that palette of being able to distinguish between the types of Saturnian current, um or the files that are in that pull-out filing cabinet, if Saturn's a filing cabinet, then they will start to feel things stronger than others. But from day one, from the start, with someone that is essentially a psychic potato, they were able to pull that out. Um, so, yeah, so what about the next step, though? What's the next step for you when you've got that kind of results from the, from the test? Or it's not really a test, although it is a test. Um, what's your next step to take them on? The next, well, the next step for me is often, um, you know, balancing that out. So you'll have, you'll be able to, from the kind of scratch testing, realise where they're best suited and where their worst kind of placements are. So depending on what kind of... Um, kind of spectrum we're talking about or or what kind of filing cabinet we're looking at um you know whether or not this is planets or elemental magics or whatever 
uh, it will then kind of go through the process of trying to make sure um, that they are as balanced out as possible. So it involves setting them tasks that explore the parts of that kind of spectrum um, that they didn't score particularly well at. Um, just so that they can best realise why that is, um, because it's often quite interesting as to why people are particularly strong or particularly uh, bad at any kind of magical aptitude. Um, but you get that kind of feel of, of you know, trying to balance them out in a, and, and I don't mean in kind of a kumbaya kind of balance way, uh, I mean as in making sure that there, there are no weaknesses. Um, you know, if you're going to take a, a path like this seriously, um, there needs to be no um, no gaps um, where you are particularly weak. Um, and if you do have particular weaknesses, that you are very aware of them and you know how to how to set the the record straight in those in those situations if you come across those. So you know where you are weakest, you should be most able to notice when those things occur. So, you know, if you are particularly bad in Mercury, um, then I be, would be expecting you to be able to know what that looks like, because those are the ones that you're going to struggle with. Um, so you need to recognise that better than the, than the Saturnine part that you're really great at. You need to be able to recognise, because those you know, you come up as, up against a Saturnine problem and you're particularly good at Saturnine issues, then that's not going to really feel like a problem. Um, you know, if you're particularly bad at mercurial, um, mercurial kinds of magic, then obviously you're going to struggle. The other kind of um, spectrum I like to look at is the kind of high-low. Um, and that's kind of balancing out is somebody kind of all um, high magics or all low magics, um, or have they got a, a good aptitude across both both ends of that spectrum? Um, because again, you don't want to have your weakness being your your grounding in physics um, to be your weak, you know, to be weak if or when all you practice is high magic. Um, you know, it comes down. We brought it up a couple of times in recent. Um, uh, recent podcast but it's kind of making sure that you can balance those things out if there is a lack of a particular energy you need to be able to pull from other sources in order to you cannot be reliant and expect to be a great witch uh, or ever plan to be a super witch um, going back to the previous episode if you can't balance the equation regardless of what pro what problem comes your way um is is that process the same for you liam or is there any things that you've missed I, i've missed out yeah essentially it will depend for me on what the what the client actually wants to do for their kind of goal because we always get them to pick a goal with the mentoring and that because we've always got to work towards their goal and give them a lot of experience with different types of magic and that and that's going to depend on how much time they can realistically put to learning magic and learning the craft of witchcraft um so for me it's a case of what i try to do is the overall the sensing ability is married up normally with that kind of building a map a schematic of all of the energies that exist building that kind of periodic table and they fill out the ones that they can sense. And every time they sense a new one, they add it to the periodic table. And then we constantly rejig that periodic table, not just by filling in more energies, but also dissecting the energies that are there. So a lot of the time it will go from looking like a periodic table of a list that then kind of evolves a little bit into like if you look at someone's ancestral family tree can look a bit like that and then eventually evolves again and then when it gets into really complex things then we generally go outside of words at that point and start using symbology um 
one thing that I would highlight is that the idea is to balance yourself out and be good at all of the energies. So the the problem can come when if you're good and you can sense certain energies that you just run with those like you've said and if you like as it is natural you if you're good at something then you'll probably like it more so you'll go with that and always use that but actually it's a case of we need to make progress with the stuff that we're good at but we also need to make sure that we're making progress with the stuff that we're not good at um, and that's a lot of the time comes with some of the spell work because we'll try and throw things in with energies that they're used to. But then we'll try and get them to go and hunt other energies that they've never sensed before or that they might be weaker in. And it takes them a lot of effort, but they do have to do that. Um, so what about emotion then for you? Because emotions are something that's underrated. People talk a lot about it with spell work and a lot of it as energy. But as a system for people to explore manipulation of energy and a power or a way of powering spells. That's something that seems to be lost on a lot of people. I tend to, well you know I tend to use this a lot. Um, I use it a lot particularly with low magics. Um, more so than the high, um, just to kind of when they are manipulating things that are within the physical universe um, and actually understanding what those energies actually feel and look like. Um, and I know that sounds obvious because you feel emotion. Uh, my point is more about what that power feels like, you know, what you're capable of doing with it. Because again, it's it's an it's an aptitude thing. There are some emotions that we are really good with. Um, there are emotions that, because unlike just normal energy, uh, with emotion you're going to attach that to to memory. Is the main reason I like to use it, is because that is a deep rooted sense of of how you access memory. Um, memory is useful for a whole multitude of things but the the whole point is that you particularly when you're starting to explore different kinds of magics that you're not familiar with knowing what how to deal with these on an emotional level um, and by that i mean actually understanding what power those those have um you know there are people that are going to be naturally ragey there are those that are naturally zen um depending on where you fit on that spectrum is going to have an impact on how you are able to raise certain energies that are around those kind of emotional triggers um, and also how good you are at produce you know working all manner of magics when you are emotionally stressed in some way um, and i'm not talking about stresses in mental health i'm talking about in in whatever trigger emotionally that would lead to so you know can you still practice when you're really really excited about something or are you not able to actually separate uh, and control based on the fact that actually you're too easily distractible in that state um etc etc but yes emotion is one i definitely cover um particularly with low magics um, but that's because I find that the two line up to each other so well. So energetically speaking with the spell work, it's about the power source for making that spell work. And a lot of it will involve, and it must involve, getting your hands dirty. You must be able to feel the energy that you're using in your spells. If you cannot feel the energy that you're using in your spells, your spells are unlikely to work. This is why copy and pasting, someone saying, go and get a green candle, go and get this, stick it in a dish, light the fucker up, and then go and dispose at the crossroads because of all the symbology that's in that. What I would say with using emotion and that is, we know that an electronic device like the remote control for your television or a calculator or whatever it is, we know that that runs on some sort of energy, okay? But we notice that the remote control 
Some remote controls run on AAA batteries. Some remote controls run on AA batteries. And it's understanding the mystery of what the difference is between a AA battery and a AAA battery. And when you'd use one and not the other. Now it's apparent with consumer electrical because one don't fucking fit in the other one. So if, <laughs> if it's a AA battery and you're trying to squeeze it in a AAA battery remote control, it ain't going to work. But what the witch does, the witch makes effort to understand this. And then the witch makes a discovery that all of these batteries run on this thing called electricity. And then the next level, which is the level that you never really hear uh, much about, is that there are other forms of elect there are other forms of energy that isn't electricity. All of this energy that we're talking about, where we raise energy ourselves, we could consider that maybe to be electricity. And there are lots of ways of raising that specific type of energy and there's lots of ways of changing the output of that energy to make it the right sort of energy to run the thing that we want to run. But there are greater and deeper mysteries to that, such as the calculator, because the calculator has a little battery in it, doesn't it? But then it got that little solar power panel on. So not only does that run on the electricity, coming from a battery but it runs on another type of energy which it then converts into the energy that it likes hence why spell casting can become very 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 complicated and use lots of ingredients but if you don't really understand how that little solar panel converts energy into electricity you're probably the sort of person that's gonna go and use it in the fucking dark <laughs> Which is the sort of people that do the right spell on the right planetary hour of the right planetary day of the right moon phase, but they're still doing it wrong because the solar power on the calculator needs light from the sun. Doesn't necessarily need sunlight, of course. It requires a specific, specific type of light that the sun happens to give off, but the environment needs to be right. And you need to get the sunlight to the solar panel, right? With this, you might be doing your spell and you might be using it in the right moon phase. But how are you actually knowing whether that energy from the moon that's supposed to be the appropriate energy that you're tying the spell to is actually fucking connected? It is literally like the fucking idiot that is using their calculator in the dark cupboard who, yes, the calculator is doing calculations, but that's because it has you. It has the battery there. If you want a more powerful calculator and not deplete the fucking battery, which I know many of you do, <laughs> um, then you're going to need to pull in the external energy. Okay? So I know that might be a little bit complicated, and I know it isn't exactly a specific... Uh, science of magic but it's a good enough explanation for you to start thinking along the right lines so in terms of emotional energy the re reason why we see emotion because we're talking about psychic work and psychic work is about feeling and manipulating right you can manipulate people to provoke an emotional response you can make people angry i do it all the time on social media so you understand how to create emotion in other people yeah you also experience emotion yourself, so you know, and you actually call it feeling. I feel angry, I feel sad, it's a feeling, yeah? So, if energy, if emotion is energy, how would you potentially create energy in the form of emotion? And how would you feed that emotional energy to your spell? Well, it's easiest to do it from yourself, because from yourself, you can manipulate yourself in your own emotions. Maybe you think about something sad. Maybe you think about the skanky, horrible bitch you don't like that makes you angry. The anger is already there. It's there. You can feel it in you. Now it's the case of really delving in and actually trying to work out what that is, what that energy is, and can you manipulate it? And it's that process of manipulating that emotional energy that means that you can then release that. But you're not just releasing it as in letting it go and shrugging your shoulder 
and saying I forgive you, you're actually channeling that energy into a puppet or something. So that um, energy is being used to power something. That's the next step often, unless you're a sociopath or psychopath or something, and we use different approaches for those. Or robot. Um, but then the next step is obviously you've kind of started to experiment with and possibly even master emotional energy and raising it yourself and directing it yourself. How can you then start to use other people's emotional energy? Well, the first is you need to be able to switch it on. You need to elicit that appropriate emotional response. The next thing you need to do is suck it out like a vacuum cleaner or get them to give it to you. So if their attention goes wherever attention goes, energy flows, if they're angry and directing that anger at you, that energy is going to go to you potentially or make it easier for you to pull it towards yourself you see so all of this is is not exactly scientific but it is um what's the right word chris it's quantifiable quantifiable i was gonna say logical it's kind of logical when you think about it of course, the trick is to do it, and that's the problem with the book reading idiots, is that they read a book that says about this, but they never then try it. And because they don't try it, they're not working the muscles necessary and not developing those magical psychic muscles enough to actually fucking do anything. They just have the theory down. And as we all know, we can think about doing push-ups, but just thinking about doing the push-ups don't actually do what the push-ups will do if you actually do them. Because that makes sense, I think. Uh, anything yeah. else to add? So just on the um, just on the kind of quantifiable part, because there will be a fair few of them out there that want, you know, repeatable effects. So the whole point of this kind of experimenting part is so that they know how to gauge, you know, is it is it an AA I need or is it a yeah. nine volt battery? You know, is and then that is that is the kind of goal of this kind of experimentation part. Um, and it's why people like the Witchcraft Live group so much, um, and what we do with Witch Wars is because it gives you tasks which you, for some reason, don't seem to want to come up with yourselves when, and I don't mean you lot, because you lot are great, but I mean as in when someone is starting out, yeah. they struggle to set themselves goals because our oh, life's okay at the moment. But um, it's not, you know, it never is. All those which, it never is. All those witches, <laughs> all those witches out there that are kind of like, oh, well, I just do, I just do my meditations every day and, um, you know, thank the goddess and all that. And uh, I watch the seasons, um, <laughs> you know, they're never actually, they're never actually pushing magic because they never set themselves tasks to do because they don't necessarily need anything. And like we've said many a time over, um, you know, witchcraft in the old days um, is, is life life orientated it is a uh, necessity um and when you can kind of get all the things you want like nine volt batteries um at at a click a couple of clicks and jeff bezos delivers it to your house um you start to kind of think oh, okay well i don't need those things or i don't need to try that spell because i don't need that thing i've got love i've got luck blah 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 um and what they fail to do is actually think about getting things they don't necessarily need in order to actually understand the mechanism they don't try out um try out the magics in order to actually figure out what is needed how much energy does it take to push that boulder across the flat compared to when i try and push the boulder up a really steep hill like you know, and actually, because they never test those, they can't actually deal with it when it happens. If there's nothing you want, there's bound to be other people out there that want something. So fucking do the magic on them. 
And if there's loads of people in you and your family and your surroundings that have lots of things, then go and fucking take one of them away. You know, it's not fucking difficult. It really ain't difficult. Think of something that you want to do as a project and go and try it. You'll learn a lot from the trying of the process. And this, I don't know where to start, is bollocks, isn't it, Chris? It's bollocks. I don't know where Chris has gone. Oh, you're there. (laughs) Right. I think that's it. We're out of time. So, goodbye for another edition of the No Holds Bar Witchcraft podcast. And we'll see you next week.